Welcome to Breakthrough Cocktail, where mixing up happiness, good life skills, and adding a dash of improv to help you live an awesome life. Please give it up for your breakthrough mixologist, Gary Ware. Welcome to another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. I'm your host, Gary Ware. Today on the show, I have Eric Zimmer. Eric Zimmer is the co-host of the One You Feed podcast. The One You Feed podcast was recently uh, announced the best of the podcast in 2014 by iTunes. They were also named one of the best health podcasts of all time by Huffington Post. And it was ranked number one in the podcast philosophy and spirituality categories, respectively. Eric is a man of many traits. He has started a lot of businesses, and I am so happy to have him on the show to find out how we can live a life of passion. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So, Eric, before we dive into just living a life of passion and living a life with purpose, just give us a little teaser. Give our audience a little teaser about you and, and how you got to where you are. Sure. I, um, As you mentioned, I'm currently the host of the One You Feed podcast, which I arrived at uh, via a relatively circuitous route. But <laughs> So my background has largely been in software startup companies. Uh, for most of the years. And about five years ago, I started a solar energy company. So that I was doing that. I also do some e-commerce consulting work for uh, large Fortune 500 companies and then um, doing the podcast. So I've just kind of gotten there over a period of time, I guess, by basically following things that interest me, you know, finding something that interests me and pursuing it and seeing where it leads. Perfect. And yeah, it, it just seems like you know, you've sort of just bounced around from here and there and, you know, it just seems like you're just going with the flow. Um, so, so to get us started, let's jump back a little bit. And, you know, you are, you've had a, a lot of different startups. How did you even just get started with that? What, what made you want to, to jump into the startup space? Yeah, it just, it was kind of an accident. So I was, um, I got my first job um, I never went to college, and I kind of spent some of my years of my youth, uh, misspent might be the word for what, what they were. But um, I finally got a job, and I started working with a company called CompuServe, which was one of the very early online pioneer companies. And uh, I got a job there and just a basic customer service position, but I worked really hard to get promoted. And um, a little while after that, I got AOL bought CompuServe, and I got laid off. And so that was um, sort of a, a frightening moment because um, it was my first job. I hadn't really had anything before. My, the mother of my child was, was, was pregnant with, with my son in three months. And so, um, so from there, I just decided to take the money that I got as a severance and invest it in some technical training. And so I started doing that and um, found a job with this small consulting group that very quickly turned into, joined forces with another company and started a dot-com kind of back in that, back in the original dot-com days. And it was such a wild ride that I was kind of hooked after that. So did you have a lot of technical experience or did you just learn this along the way? I, oh, I learned it all along the way. When I started at CompuServe, I mean, I think the only jobs I had ever had were, you know, working in restaurants. So I had no technical experience at all. What kept you going? You said it was a wild ride. Was it just the you know desire to do good work or like what just kept you learning and exploring and, and moving along? Yeah, I think it's a combination of, you know, it's a, it, for me, it was a few different things. It was certainly 
learning something new. You know, startup companies are very exciting. There's a lot happening. Um, every every day kind of matters. You know, what what you do every day matters. So I got, I think I got kind of into that that excitement, that that adrenaline of that of learning new things, of creating things that weren't there before. I love doing. Uh, so I just kind of, and then following again sort of just being interested in what I'm doing and, and allowing that to be a guide to some degree. And so fast forwarding, you know, quite some time, you now host the podcast. Mm-hmm. What was the catalyst behind that? The catalyst behind the podcast was really that. So I had a solar energy company and in Ohio, they started changing a lot of the laws around solar energy. So it, it started to become uh, much less of a good looking, you know, the business opportunity was less than it was. So I started looking at maybe moving online and starting to do some training and teaching of solar energy online because we'd been relatively successful. And so I started investigating that and um, discovered podcasts as part of that. And then sort of lost interest in doing that. I just didn't feel like that was really what I wanted to do. And then I got the idea for our show um, one day, just kind of sitting there thinking about podcasts. I was like, that seems like a great idea. And then I asked my uh, best friend, Chris, who does all the audio for our show, you know, what he thought, and he thought it was a good idea. And we kind of started the next day. So just sort of jumped in. Wow. Yeah. So if you're listening, I, I think one of the big takeaways here is, yeah, you may be scared, but you need to take action. And I've read a lot about entrepreneurs and why they are successful is they're quick at making decisions. You know, they're very decisive and it it appears, you know, Eric, just from your background, um, you know, you're very similar. You don't necessarily have to deliberate too much. If you have this good idea, you just move forward. Would you agree with that? I think so. I mean, and, and for better or worse in certain cases, right? I started a solar energy company without knowing the first thing about solar energy. So that might've been, that might've been a little bit premature, but at the same time, the reason I believe, you know, what you said is so important about just taking action is that we can think about and read about and learn about stuff forever, but it's not till we start doing it that we actually know we get in the game and start to see things. And as we do that, the scenery changes. It's like walking a path. You know, the first step you're on the path, you can only see so much, but when you're five steps down the path, the view is very different. And so that's why starting is so valuable because you, that view changes and you get more real information about what you can do. And are you going to make some mistakes? Of course, but you're, you're, the idea is you learn from those, but it's real easy to get caught in that you know, paralysis of analysis type thing where I just keep thinking all the time about what am I going to do and should I do this? So I'm, I'm certainly much more of a believer in just start and then kind of see what happens. Great. And then for our listeners who may not be familiar with your podcast, The One You Feed, mm-hmm. give us a quick overview of that and more specifically the title. The title is so fascinating. I'm, I'm so curious on how you came about that. Yep. So the title is called The One You Feed, and it's based on an old parable where there's a grandfather who's talking with his grandson. He says, in life, there are two wolves inside of us. One is a good wolf, which represents things like kindness and bravery and love. And the other is a bad wolf, which represents things like greed and hatred and fear. And the grandson stops and he thinks about it for a second. And he looks up at his grandfather and he says, well, grandfather, which one wins? And the grandfather says, the one you feed. So the podcast is based on that parable and basically it's an interview show similar to yours where i interview people you know thought leaders spiritual teachers entrepreneurs authors musicians about how they feed 
the good wolf in their own lives? What are the things that they do that make their life um, valuable? You know, I, I, the subtitle is conversations about creating a life worth living. So that's what we do. Um, I've known the parable for years. Um, I'm not quite sure where I first heard it, but it just sort of struck me. Like I said, I was just thinking about, I, I have no idea where it came from. But I was like, that would be a really fun podcast idea. So and then you took action and, and here you go. Yep. And so creating a life worth living and that just seems like for someone that is stuck, they they may have, you know, I don't know, like a lot of times I run across people that they feel like they need to do certain things to create this life worth living. They go through mm -hmm. it and then, you know, it doesn't work out that way. Um, what sort of advice, you know, based on the people that you've interviewed and your own experience, would you have for someone uh, on creating a life worth living? Well, there's, there's a lot there. I mean, we spend, you know, 45 minutes a week exploring it. But I think that there's a couple things that, that come to mind first. And one of the big ones would be understanding what does that mean to you? Like if we don't know who we are on some kind of level, what do we enjoy doing? What do we not enjoy doing? Um, what things interest us? What things bore us? When we start to know that, then then we've at least we can point ourselves in in the right direction a little bit. Um, I think another thing is to just try things, find things that see if they if we like them or not. And then the last, you know, keeping it relatively brief, but and we can explore any of these in more detail. I think the other one would be we have a tendency to think that our life will be worth living when this thing happens, when we get this thing, when I can finally quit the day job and do this thing full time or whatever that event is, when my son graduates high school or any of those things. And, and that is a very deceptive way to live um, because a, the very mentality of always thinking that life is out there somewhere else means that when that thing finally arrives, at least my experience is I'm in no way prepared to appreciate it or enjoy it because I'm now thinking it's something else. It's always that perpetual looking for something else. So I think that um, by being more focused on where we are now, what we're doing, and then taking small steps towards the things that matter, um, it's very easy to get stuck thinking, well, I'd be happy if I didn't have this day job, but I can't see any way to make that happen, so I just won't do anything. Whereas there's lots of small steps that we can take towards a life that's different. And, and that's often, I think, the difference between success and failure is taking a lot of consistent small steps in the right direction. Yeah, that is perfect. And just to touch on one of those topics, the first topic is defining you know, what is that life worth living to you. And mm -hmm. if someone is stuck and they're having a hard time, what advice would you have for them on how could they do, you know, how do they go about designing a life that means uh, that's worth living to them? Well, I think it's really about starting to understand who you are. There's a there's a guy that I know who uses a term called radical self-inquiry, right? You've got to really get in touch with who you are and what makes you happy. And there's all kinds of different ways to do that. Some of it is just sitting down and, you know, honestly thinking about it. Some of it is there's lots of different tests online, personality tests. There's a variety of different things that just start to give us a sense of, okay, how do we function? What matters for us? And I would, and 
even within what we do today, we, for most of us, we can look at, so I, you know, here's my job. What parts of that feel good? What parts of that don't feel good? Where do I, you know, where do I get energized? What things, and it's, it's just a matter of thinking through what those things are. And then once we have some sense of that, we can start to try and build a build towards a direction that says, how do I get more of those things in my life that, that feel good? And then the other piece almost contrary to that is to learn to just be appreciate where we are now and recognize that a lot of what's going on with us a lot of the dissatisfaction comes from what we're telling ourselves about our situations and much less sometimes about the situations themselves yeah you make a good point it it, it goes back to so i do a lot of improv comedy and through doing improv comedy it helped me to see life from a different perspective Mm -hmm. a lot of times yeah prior to that i was very cynical um and i and i feel that when you are cynical and you look at things from a negative mindset it seems like everything around you is negative Mm -hmm. but the the moment that you start you know being grateful and seeing the positives in things. And there's you know so many different ways you can do that from, you know, having a gratitude journal to just being more aware and seeing, you know, and realizing that there are multiple ways of seeing things. But it just seems like the moment that you do that, it trains your brain to see that in everything. Uh, would you agree about that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, people who listen to the show will know that I'm not a proponent of like mindless positive thinking. Like, I don't think positive thinking yeah. is the answer to everything, right? We have to think realistically. But your point is a very good one. We tend to see what we're looking for in life. And so, um, you know, one of the reasons that doing something like a gratitude journal or I tend to think of it almost sometimes as more of an appreciation journal, like gratitude to me thing seems like, oh, I'm grateful that I've got a house. And sometimes I feel grateful for that and sometimes I don't. But if I get down into my day and I go, oh, I, I, you know, I pay attention. I appreciated that cup of coffee or I appreciated the sunset or I, and so I pay attention. And if I'm in the habit of writing those things down, then what I'm doing is I'm, 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 my brain starts looking for them. You know, my brain starts thinking in that way. And it's a subtle change, but it really does matter and it really does work. Yeah. And so if someone is trying to, you know, design a life worth living, you mentioned first step is to actually, you know, what does that mean? And that means looking at things from a different perspective. Now, what else? Uh, What else can they do to really start to put things in in the right uh, place? Because what you said earlier, if you put all of your sort of you know, all your chicken or eggs in one basket and focus on an event, you know, when I get another job and stuff like that, you know, as you mentioned, you're not going to be fulfilled because you're going to always be chasing the next thing. So what should they do uh, to just be more content? Yep. So I think that is, uh, that's certainly the million dollar question, right? And I always, I am always interested in that balance between striving and acceptance, right? Because on one hand, striving is good, right? You know, moving forward, progress, that desire to make and create and do things, I think is a fundamental human capacity. The flip side of that is that also having some degree of acceptance and gratitude and appreciation for where you are. So how do you hold both those things in mind at the same time? How do you be uh, satisfied and yet still hungry? And it sounds like a paradox, and it is a little bit, but I don't think it is entirely. I think it's, I think 
I'm a big, you know, it's, it's all the buzz these days everywhere, which is the idea of mindfulness. But I think the reason that mindfulness can be so powerful is that it allows us to actually be present in our lives today. Because for, at least for me, if I'm not careful, I'm always somewhere else. And if I'm always somewhere else, then I can't really even appreciate the things that are in my life. So that is, a, you know, for me, there's a few core practices that I do that allow me to feel more content with where I'm at. And so mindfulness or meditation is one of them. Um, exercise is another for me. My brain just needs it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's great for the body, but for me more than anything, it, it gives me a certain level of sanity. That's really important. It makes me feel better in my body, which is, which is important. And then as you mentioned, gratitude or appreciation, trying to, to focus on, the things in my life that are good. And then the last one is finding things in my life that I enjoy doing and making sure I make time for those. Whether they have any purpose or not, whether they have any end goal, whether they have, this is something that I enjoy doing um, and gives me a sense of satisfaction. Not necessarily something that um, is an escape for me, but something that I enjoy doing and I, I, I feel good when I do it. So for me, one of them is making music. I love, you know, that's something that feels good. And when I do it, I feel better. Um, so those are a couple of the things that I try and do on a real regular basis to, to be content with where I'm at. You bring up a good point about having something that you enjoy doing that's not an, an escape. Because you hear far too often... People are so stressed out and overworked and whatever the case may be that they need something that's an escape. And, and to me, when you have an escape, it's almost to turn off you know, your other life. But I feel like by having a, a hobby or something that you really enjoy doing, like exercise and, and music, it just – I feel like that's a compliment rather than, you know, instead of. Yep. I, I agree 100%. And I think that a lot of the things that – that we turn to for that escape. I mean, there's obviously some things like that can be very harmful, you know, drug addiction or different things, but just keep it real mundane. Like, you know, coming home from work and watching three hours of TV or spending three hours on Facebook. If those things give you a genuine sense of satisfaction and contentment and happy, keep going. But my experience is for most people, they don't. That's, they don't, they don't emerge from those experiences feeling stronger. They don't feel refreshed. They don't feel, we don't feel content. We feel still, at least for me, I've still got that restless discontent feeling after I do something like that. So yes, it's kind of a turnoff for a while. You know, it allows my brain to sort of turn off, but it doesn't do anything for me. I, we had a guy on the show who called that, I can't remember the exact term he used, but something like cotton candy, um, pleasure, right? Like it's very sweet and you taste it, but it doesn't leave you with anything. Whereas some other things that we can do, um, you know, taking a walk outside or having a conversation or playing music or uh, whatever that thing is, um, building models. I don't, I don't know what it is for, for various people, but that those things tend to add to exactly like you said, they tend to add to our lives instead of being an escape from our lives. Yeah. And, and I also feel that if you involve yourself in into activities like that, it's almost like you get this sort of lateral development uh, where whether it's working on models or playing music, you're, you're growing or lateral growth. I think that's the correct term. Yeah. You're, it helps you grow in so many other areas. Uh, for example, you know, I've, I've read that, you know, being a musician, you know, it helps you with good eye coordination. It, it helps you, you know, just with patience and stuff like that. And 
you know, they say similar things about improv, but yeah, like I, I like the phrase, the cotton candy escape, you know, because yes. It, yes. yeah, it's like getting a sugar high, you know, for a second you get this like big rush of endorphins, but then yeah, you feel dissatisfied because I know for myself, if I can let my, if I let myself get caught up in that vicious cycle of social media and whatnot. And then I look and I'm like, Oh man, it's been like an hour and a half. I probably should have done this. And then, yeah, you just feel just not satisfied. Yeah. It's, I think it's, you know, you using the cotton candy analogy, it's very easy. You have a bite and it's sort of satisfying. So you have another bite, which is a little bit less satisfying, but it's already gone. So you have another bite until they're progressively less satisfying until it's almost like, oh, now I feel sick, right? I think we can all relate to some experience like that in our lives. And it is hard to change those patterns, right? It is hard to go if I'm somebody who's used to coming home and you know, spending two hours on Facebook or spending two hours watching TV. And I want to start to do different things with my life. It's not easy to do because we are tired, right? We are. And so I think that's where the really small steps come in. You know, when I started meditating, I've been trying to meditate. I've meditated on and off for 20 years, but I haven't done it real consistently. But this time I got really serious and I just said, okay, two minutes, you know, I'm going to do it two minutes a day, but I'm going to do it every day. And so I was able to do that. And so then you can build from two minutes. So if you normally watch TV for two hours a night and you don't feel good about that, okay, take 15 of those minutes, take 10 of them, take five of them, whatever it needs for you to get started and start to build a little bit of progress. Those small steps can be so important. And it's amazing what a series of small steps over a consistent period of time adds up to. Yeah. And one thing that really hit home from what you just mentioned is making a choice. And I heard once that every person should create their own creed of you know what they are willing to do and what they're not willing to do. And I feel that when we don't do that, when we don't make a definitive choice to either spend less time on social media or to exercise more, then we leave ourselves susceptible to whatever. And we're just sort of floating and going with mm-hmm. the flow. But by making a creed and you know saying you know what this is what i stand for and this is what i don't stand for it doesn't have to be perfect but at least you start to move in the right direction yeah i think the thing the reason that i started doing the podcast mainly was that i needed i felt like i needed a way to keep myself focused on the things in life that were important because if i don't have that it's very easy to go on autopilot and autopilot simply usually for me me is going to mean the path of least resistance right that's that's kind of the way we are you know to some degree we're biologically designed to get the most we can with the least amount of effort that's just there's you know there's a reason that that has helped us to survive to a certain degree but that's not a very good path at least in my experience to happiness so your your point is really right about being intentional about what we're doing and choosing the way we spend our time because not making a choice is a choice in itself right i mean that's kind of a cliche but it's totally true and for our listeners that if if they're you know getting fed up and they they want to start to make a choice and you know move to the other side and, and start to feed as you call it, the good wolf uh, what sort of steps could they take three steps huh I guess I would say pick something that you want to have more of in your life, exercise, meditation, talking to friends, um, you know, 
going out to um, places to see music play, whatever those things are. Pick, pick something that you want to see more of or less of in your life. Break that down into the smallest steps you possibly can. You know, get it really small so that it's two or five minutes or 10 minutes. Can continue to deconstruct it as much as you can and then go and do those things that you say you're going to do. Um, and, but that's the point of making it so small is that you can do it. And for a lot of us, I think we've made so many commitments to ourselves over the years of the changes that we're going to make. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do that thing. For a lot of us, we do that and then we fail and we fail and we fail. And so it gets to the point where it becomes very hard. We don't believe in ourselves and it's very easy to quit again because we've done it 30 times. And that's why the, the really small step but being consistent about doing it is so important. And then I would say the, you know, this is sort of three and two and four all mixed together, but also ask somebody for help and support. Ask some, tell somebody what you're going to do and ask them to check in with you periodically, get some accountability, get some support and do those really small things. Then you can build from there. But it's, I, I'm a big believer in momentum. I think momentum makes a huge deal in life. And once we're moving and doing good things, it's much easier to do those. But when we're at a dead stop, it, is, it takes an enormous amount of effort to get things moving. And that's why, you know, the small steps repeated frequently allows us to get that momentum. And then things can really start to pick up from there. And so jumping back to your life, you know, you mentioned you wanted to start the podcast as a way to, you know, be that sort of a daily reminder for yourself to focus on the good and not get sucked into just being, you know, complacent. Mm-hmm. Uh, how has your life changed uh, since starting your podcast and, and interviewing all these very inspirational and motivating entrepreneurs and whatnot? It's been, it's been great. I mean, I started it for two reasons. One is, as we just talked about was to sort of feed my own good wolf, keep things in front of me that were important. And then the second was to spend more time with my best friend, Chris. You know, I just thought it'd be fun. We'll spend time together. And so both those things have absolutely happened and worked. And it's been, it's done what I thought it would do. I thought like, if I have to interview somebody every week, I'm going to have to learn a little bit about them. I might read their book. And so it has done that. It's kept me in a much more engaged and focused space. So the benefits to me in my personal life have been really, really positive. I've, I've never been more consistent in, um, you know, I think I've got a meditation streak of something like 460 days now. So I've never been more consistent. My exercise is better. I eat better. I'm just generally a more content, happier person. I've met tons of wonderful people. And then, you know, the, the podcast has been relatively successful, which came as a pleasant surprise and sort of a byproduct. That wasn't, I hoped that would happen, but that wasn't really the motivation behind it. So that's been another, you know, the, the other thing that I think has been really, I've really loved, and I bet you have this experience, is hearing from people that are listening to the show and that are getting something out of it. That's very rewarding. Agreed. Yeah, there's nothing like just that email that you get when someone their life has been positively impacted by something that you said or a guest on the show and yep. yeah that is the fuel that that keeps it going because i i would have to think that uh, you would agree that it's not easy you know it, it it takes work but you know the stuff that you get out of it just keeps it going yeah, I mean that is certainly that is certainly a big one. Like I said, for me the primary motivation, and I try and go back to it whenever I can, is that this is good for me. 
like doing this thing is good for me. A, I love doing it. It's enjoyable and it, and it's positive. So everything outside of that is, is good stuff, right? If, you know, if people like it, if people, you know, respond positively, I mean, I love that. I love hearing that, but sometimes it's important just to go back to the core motivation for me, because the things on the outside come and go, right? Like sometimes you get emails from people who like it. Sometimes you don't, sometimes your numbers look good. Sometimes they don't. So that, that understanding that what's at the heart of it can really be important in keeping going. Agreed. And that brings up another good point is having the right intention when you start something. Mm. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, yes, the gravy and the, the added benefit is the success and all the accolades and stuff that come with it. But if you don't have the right intentions, I feel like you can get derailed. Like, for example, if your primary reason for starting this is to to have the successful podcast that's going to be blah, 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 and featured on all these other things, then if that doesn't happen or happen exactly as you pictured it, that can be deflating. But in your case, yes. you had very simple intentions and they were based in just your own satisfaction, not external things. It's, you know, to spend really good, you know, spend quality time with a good friend of yours and to be, you know, positively, you know, impacted by your speakers and, and whatnot. Yeah, I think intention is is very important. I'm not really a believer that any of us have totally 100% you know, pure intention, right? So yes, those were the primary things. And did I want people to listen and people to like it? And, you know, yes, those are all, you know, that's all mixed in there too. But the the primary focus, and I think that gets to, it's really easy to chase um, what, you know, I've been, I've been in the technology world long enough to see these various fads come and go and see a ton of people pile onto it because it looks like it's a good opportunity. And that's happening in podcasting right now for sure yes. in a big way, right? It's just the field is flooding with people who think that it's going to be easy success and money and all those things. And A, you know, it's not, right? It, it is just simply not, that's not the, the model. And so I think the best, at least the times for me that have worked the best have been when I've been, been able to find, if we want to talk about, you know, creating something or, or building something are the times that I found something that has both a personal significance to me. So the, some of those internal motivations are there. I enjoy it. I care about it. It matters. And there's something also on the outside that might have a chance of being, being successful. So as you look at doing something for work or career, those are two things to sort of consider. If you go after my experience is if you go after only one or the other, you can end up, it can be challenging. Like if all I did was like, I love making music and I, that's going to be my thing. I, I was a relatively burnt out and unhappy musician because that is an incredibly difficult way to make a living, particularly if you're like an original songwriter. So, so that's one extreme. The other extreme is going, oh, well, you know what? All the money in the world's in Wall Street. I'm going to go to Wall Street, right? There's somewhere right in the middle of that that says, okay, I'm doing things that matter, things that I enjoy, and there's actually a need for it or a want for it in the world. And when you can sort of make those things come together, I think that's where um, job satisfaction, having a career is makes the most sense. I mean, I'm not a believer like you just follow everything you're passionate about to the very end and make, because that can be a really bad idea. Now you could pursue it in your own time because you love it. But if you're trying to sort of marry that thing with a 
career or a money-making thing, trying to look for where those things overlap is really a useful exercise. Yeah, and you make a really good point about yeah, just having – there has to be balance because if it's something that you are passionate about and you intrinsically want to do, but yet it's not going to provide value to anyone else or if there's not a need for it, you're going to fall flat and you're going to be disappointed. Or if you're just chasing someone else's dream, you know, like yep. Wall Street or something like that, and you don't really – or you can't identify how that aligns with your own passions – you're going to get burnt out because you're not going to have that intrinsic desire to keep doing it. Yep, that's exactly right. And I think the the only other thing I'd add to that is you don't have to have all that figured out all the time. And I think there's a lot of people who have this vision of something they might like to do career-wise that aligns with something they care about and they can't figure out how that's going to happen. Like, how is that going to make me you know, I make $100,000 a year today. How is that going to make $100,000? I have no idea. So they just don't do it. There's, a, there's certainly another way, which is to say start small with it and start building and see what happens. You might find that doors and opportunities open. It's not either keep the day job and be miserable or quit tomorrow and start my own thing. Yeah. You know, if that's your desire, if your desire is to have your own thing someday, you can build towards those things and do those things um, together. Now you can't do that and watch three hours of TV a night, right? That those, there's sacrifices to be made for that approach, but I think that's far and away the generally wiser approach, particularly if you've got responsibilities in life. Yeah, no, agreed. And some very wise people in my life once told me, you know, if you're following your life, your life's bliss, these opportunities will unfold, but it requires you to take that action and take that step even though you don't know what is going to unfold, but just by sometimes just making that intention, something would, you know, opportunities will present itself. It's not going to be perfect, but if you don't make that intention and you don't take that step and you just think about it, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a hundred percent chance that nothing will happen if you don't do it. And if you, you know, it's a, it's a, it's certainly a mindset of, um, you know, I hear people say all the time, I really want to be a writer. And I'm like, are you writing? Right. Because I mean, like, that's pretty simple, right? You can be a writer by writing. What they mean when they say that is, I don't want to have to do anything else except write because, you know, writing all the time and not having to go to this day job sounds like a great thing. Well, for, you know, in a lot of people's cases, being a writer would be miserable for them. They don't know because they don't, you know, if you're not enjoying doing writing for the purpose of writing, what, what makes us think that we're going to like it when it's something we have to do full time. So that's an example of, okay, I start writing and I see if I like it. And if I like it, you know, do I get, do I get better at it? So I agree with exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And times have changed where, yeah, before the old model was, you go find a job that you can be at for 20 years. You will get a pension. You will get, you know, some something and then you can retire and then, you know, kick back and, and collect uh, retirement checks. Well, that dream, you know, that yeah. life has sailed. We can't do that. And which means that we don't have to focus on the end game, which means that we have, if you believe in abundance, there are a lot of opportunities. And that means, like you said, if you try something out, if it doesn't work, Okay, let's go down another route. Yep. I mean, I, I certainly, you know, if I had waited to do the podcast till I thought the podcast could support my family, there would be no show, right? That just was not the reality of the way this stuff works. And so it's a, 
you know, it's an evolutionary process that says, okay, if that's what I want, then let me start. Let me do a podcast. Do I like it? Am I any good at it? Do people like it? And then you've got something to build from. Yeah. And you can always make changes. Yes, you will always, almost certainly have to make change. You know, no, no, what's that old line? Like no plan survives first, you know, first contact with the enemy. Like you spend all this time, you know, making up this battle plan and we run into the enemy and nothing's the way you thought it was. And you, you, you start planning, you know, you start replanning. Yeah, exactly. So uh, putting that back, you know, to you and your podcast, what do you think of from your initial sort of expectations and where you are now? Has anything changed along the way that you just, you know, was a pleasant surprise or just something you just had to adapt with? Well, I think it's been sort of a charm journey for us at this point. I mean, I really, I can't think of much that I would say, oh, I didn't expect this and this was worse and I had to turn back. Um, the surprises for for us so far have all been positive. I mean, you know, iTunes has decided to feature us a couple times, just kind of out of the blue, which was incredibly nice. You know, they named us to be one of the best new podcasts of 2014. I mean, those are wonderful surprises that um, only have a little bit, you know, there's a certain degree of luck in all that. I mean, it's not, you have to make a good show for that to happen, but there's lots of good shows that that doesn't happen for. So it's some of that. So those have been pleasant surprises that have just kind of, kind of come along. Um, but I do think that we've been lucky enough that we did start, at least I think started from a place of relatively reasonable expectations that were really in, this is going to be enjoyable to do, which it is, and it's going to be good for us. And then that other stuff has, have been wonderful uh, and very pleasant and welcome surprises. That's awesome. All right, so sort of switching gears before we jump into the lightning round. Yeah. Um, Eric, you are in the process of writing a book. Can you give our listeners just a quick teaser of what the book's going to be about? Sure. I don't have a finalized title, but it's something about, you know, feeding your good wolf. And what I'm trying to do is I'm going through, we've had 60 three episodes or so, you know, so 63 people we've interviewed so far, although I do a mini episode most weekends, but I don't count those. So we've had like 63 real interviews. And so what I'm trying to do is go through that and, and pull out the key themes that we keep hearing again and again, because there are a few that are pretty consistent throughout there. And so I'm trying to sort of pull those out and um, use what the guests have said as a way of amplifying those themes as well as my own thoughts, ideas, and experiences with them. Yeah, and you hear about that more and more. Either people just do interviews in the form of a podcast or something like that, and then they take all of that content and they use it to write a book. Um, what has been your process? Is it just to go through each of the interviews and listen for themes, or did you have themes in advance and then you were going through the interviews to plot them? So... When I did the interview, as, as I was doing the interviews, no, I did not have themes. The only question I have that's consistent in every interview is I read the parable to him and I say, what does that mean to you? And so that's the only question that's consistent. But over time in doing them, I started recognizing that the themes were there. And so, and you know, the show, I'll often say, well, you know, we talk a lot about this. We talk a lot about that because we do. And so what I was able to do then is just do the interviews that way. And then I'm able to go back sort of retrospectively and go, all right, here's what I think a bunch of the themes are. And then start listening and going, yep, yep. Oh, yep. No, boy, I didn't even think of that one. This one came, you know, because you don't, you don't remember everything. At least I don't. 
you know, from interview to interview, that's a lot of, of stuff to take in. So um, it's been sort of a process of coming up with what I thought my themes were, the themes were, and then sort of verifying it by going back and listening to episodes and, and sort of building the story around those. And did you, when you started the podcast, know that you eventually wanted to write a book or did that the idea just spark from your interviews? Um, I think on some level, I've known that's something I would always enjoy doing. I love reading so much. I've gotten so much out of books that I think there was a part of me that was always like, yeah, I would like to, I would like to do that. But I started the podcast with very little in the way of plans. You know, I just started with the plan was to make a good show and we'd see what would evolve. I mean, I've started to do some, um, working one-on-one with people about making changes in their life. And that wasn't really intended, but I kept getting asked from people. And I finally thought, well, I might as well. I I like doing that. Why not do that? So that's been something that sort of came on. Um, You know, the book, it was kind of a fuzzy idea, but it certainly wasn't a real clear idea. It It was after I'd been through enough interviews that I went, oh, there's really something here. There's really some key concrete themes that we keep hearing that I think would make something valuable. I mean, I, don't, I didn't want to write a book just to, to write something. I wanted it to have some value. So yeah, that's great. All right. So now we've reached the point in the show where we jump into what I like to call the lightning round. Now, these okay. are the questions that I ask all of my guests here on Breakthrough Cocktail just to find out how they tick. And yep. Eric, are you ready to jump into the lightning round? I think I am. Awesome. So first question is, you know, this wouldn't be a Breakthrough Cocktail podcast without discussing some sort of drink. Is there a drink of preference, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, that you enjoy? I love espresso and I love um, ginger beer. It's sort of a non-alcoholic, uh, you know, it's, it's like root beer, but it's ginger. That's kind of been my favorite thing lately that I've been enjoying. Yeah, a ginger beer was something that I recently discovered as well. And it, yeah, it, it has a very refreshing taste. Yeah. And I've been making all kinds of stuff with ginger beer, like ginger beer, ginger beer with a little bit of seltzer water and as you know, sprig of mint and like, yeah, you like without even having alcohol, like it's just refreshing. Yeah, it is nice. Yeah. And espresso, I used to work in little Italy down here in San Diego and lots of Italian coffee shops and that is something that I have to have in extremely small quantities because I'm a naturally <laughs> hyper person. And what I, I thought I knew espresso, but I didn't know espresso until I went to one of these Italian coffee shops. And yeah, that was, that was an interesting experience to say the least. Yes. I definitely like that stuff, but yes, use with, <laughs> use with care. Yeah, exactly. So the next Next uh, question I have for you, Eric, is when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, I don't know that I have any, I I don't know that I have an answer to that question. I don't know that I thought much about that. The the best honest answer I can give was a jewel thief. Wow. You know? Why a jewel thief? That's so fascinating. Well, so... I was in trouble a lot as a kid and in my, you know, my, my teens and early twenties. And so, um, 
I, one of the, you know, so I, I was in trouble. I committed different, you know, I was, I, I had some times where stealing was part of what I did. And I think I thought that was like some glamorous way to use my brain and, you know, do that. But, you know, it's not, it's not really a great career, but that, that I think if I could, if I, you know, looking back on those days, that was probably the one thing that I thought. And then, you know, a, a musician has always been, you know, as, as at least you know, from at least, you know, like 10, 11, 12, I think I started to get really interested in that. So that was another. Awesome. So speaking of music, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the various instruments and bands that you've played in? Sure. I mean, I'm mainly a guitar player, a songwriter, a singer. Um, I've been in a variety of bands, none of which anybody would have heard. Uh, One of the really satisfying things about the podcast, though, is that the intro music, the outro music, and we do two music breaks per podcast. All that is us, that we just write it as we go. So I'm getting to make music um, that is getting out there a little bit. So that's a really enjoyable part of it, is to to be able to include that part of it in, in what we do. In addition to music, are there any other hobbies that you like to enjoy? Um, I love dogs, so I'm kind of crazy about dogs. Um, I love to read. So, I mean, a lot of what I end up reading these days is largely books from the guests that I'm having, but I love fiction when I have time to read it. Um, So that's another big hobby. I think those are probably the main ones. Um, I like being outside, walking, you know, being in the woods, doing that sort of thing. Yeah. So are you a morning or night person? Right now, I'm more of a morning person uh, by, I think that's just sort of the default of what my life looks like. I think, I think I can flip pretty easily between the two, but probably left to my own devices with no schedule, I would be up much later. I think that would be what it, what, what it would result in. But right now, I've got kids that need to be up for uh, for school. And so that's some time that I can get them up. I can do some things in the morning that I want to do. So I'm definitely more a morning person right now. And since you have so many different things between family and podcasts and, and your various ventures, how do you stay organized? <laughs> um, not, not well enough, I'm sure. Um, so I use, uh, I use Google calendar to try and keep it, you know, I try and put everything I try and write the the fundamental principle is everything has to get written down somewhere because I cannot it's amazing to me the things I forget that I think there's no way I'm going to forget that and then I absolutely do. So my fundamental organizational rule is to write everything down and then the second one is to review that stuff often so that I stay on top of of what I need. So Evernote is hugely important to me. I put everything in the world in there so that I have everything I could need kind of at my fingertips and then from there it's a calendar and a to-do list and and trying to be smart about um, you know, paying attention and focusing on those. And speaking of Evernote, it seems like everyone has a different way that they use it. Do you have any special way that you utilize Evernote for tagging or for how you group your notebooks? I, I'm probably the, the very plain vanilla Evernote user, right? I put things in it. Um, <laughs> I put them into like four or five different notebooks. You know, there's one for the podcast. There's one for the solar company. There's one for the consulting work. There's one for my house. Um, there's one for music. So they're pretty straightforward. And then sometimes I remember to add tags and sometimes I don't. But, I, you know, I, it's pretty straightforward. It's just kind of like everything gets dumped in there. But luckily it searches so well it's not too much of a problem. 
And since you love to read, are there any books that you've read recently from your guests or just books in general that you would recommend to our listeners? Yeah, um, I can always recommend books. There was a guest we had on a while ago. Uh, his name's Dan Harris. He's an, he's an anchor for Nightline. And he wrote a book called 10% Happier, which is about his experiences with um, incorporating meditation into his life and all the benefits it's had. And it's an extremely well-written book. Um, it's funny. It's enjoyable. And for people who are sort of skeptical on meditation, like, uh, it sounds kind of foo-foo or, you know, new agey, you know, it's not that at all. It's, you know, the, I, the, I can't remember the exact subtitle, but it has something to do with, um, you know, gaining peace of mind without losing your edge. So <laughs> I, that book is great. And then there's a novel I read called um, The Humans by Matt Haig, H-A-I-G, which was just, was a great, if you, if you like fiction, it's a wonderful book. So a few more questions and then uh, I'll let you go, Eric, because uh, I know it's getting a little bit late and where, where you are in the world. Uh, the first one is, are there any quotes or affirmations that you like to live your life by? Yeah, I think my, fa- I mean, there's a, I, I, there's a bunch of quotes, but the one that I go to most often is, and I always get these out of order, so let's see if I can get them, but it's uh, start where you are use what you have, do what you can by Arthur Ashe. And so I may have gotten those out of order, but what I love about it is back to some of those principles we talked about earlier. You can start wherever you are. You can use the things you have at your disposal and you can do something with whatever you've got, wherever you are in life, there is a place to start. There are things that you can do. And so that's why I like that one. Perfect. And I think this ties in very closely to my last question for you. And if you can give our listeners one easy thing that they can do right now to help them get closer to feeding that good wolf, what would that be? So if I have to be prescriptive, um, I would say learn to meditate. You know, start really small, start with doing it, you know, two minutes a day. But that practice for me has been incredibly helpful in my life in just uh, the main thing it gives me is that I'm better at interrogating my own thoughts. You know, we, we all, you know, go back to that book, 10% Happier, you know, he, he said he wanted to title the book, The Voice in My Head is an Asshole, because, <laughs> which is just brilliant, right? Yes. Because we all have this voice in our head that tends to run us around. And so what meditation has done is gotten me better at recognizing, oh, there goes that voice again. And then question, is it what it's saying true? Do I really believe that? Do I want that? Is that important? And so that's the real benefit I get. So if I could just say, you know, there's one practice to start on. It would be that or exercise um, and start small and be consistent. Awesome. Eric, it has been a pleasure having you on the show and I really appreciate all the guidance that you've provided. I, I know I've taken lots of notes and our listeners is going to get so much for the show. Before we say goodbye, if you could just take a moment and let our listeners know how they can be in touch with you if they wanted to keep up with the podcast or just you in general. Yep. So um, just go to oneufeed.net. That's spelled out O-N-E-Y-O-U-F-E-E-D dot N-E-T. And it's kind of all there. You can find us um, on Twitter from there. You can find the podcast. You can find everything. Perfect. And that does it for another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. Uh, Once again, thank you so much, Eric, for being on the show. And for those of you who are listening, don't worry about taking notes because Everything is going to be on the website at BreakthroughCocktail.com. You can jump into the show notes. You can get all the links to everything that we reference. And until next time, stay awesome. 
You've been listening to Breakthrough Cocktail. If you liked what you heard, be sure to visit www.breakthroughcocktail.com forward slash newsletter to sign up for the insider newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll get instant access to exclusive content and frequent doses of happiness. See you there. Until then, stay awesome. Stay awesome.